Hello, this is Leah Freeberg from Fluke Reliability, and thanks for joining us for this best practices webinar. You probably know Fluke as a test tools provider, and you may also know that we produce some of the industry's favorite reliability tools, from infrared cameras to vibration meters, but you may not know that many of the measurements that our tools collect now flow automatically into EAM systems of record. It happens via a framework that we call Fluke Excelix. Our goal at Fluke Reliability is to better connect asset management data and teams with asset management systems to drive connected knowledge. And of course, that knowledge depends greatly on best practices in condition-based maintenance. That's why this series of webinars explores reliability maintenance strategies, and that's where we feature speakers from a variety of expert backgrounds. Before the presentation, we have a few housekeeping items to go over. Today's session is being recorded, so the phone lines will be muted to minimize background noise. We will be answering questions during the session, as well as after, during Q&A. So take a minute now to find the questions tool in your GoToWebinar dashboard. Please feel welcome to submit questions as we go, and I will share as many of your questions as time allows for our presenter to answer. If we have unanswered questions at the end, we'll follow up with written answers. If you'd like to receive the slides from today's presentation, please let us know during the survey that will appear at the end of today's session. So please don't hang up until the survey appears and you've answered the questions. We're also happy to send you a certificate of attendance after today's webinar. You'll see a question on the survey about getting a certificate. So answer yes and we'll send one to you. A recording of this webinar will be available on the excelix.com website within a day or two. And that's it for housekeeping. Now for the main event. Today, we are very pleased to have with us Matthew Hudon and Frederick Bodarm presenting on managing cybersecurity risk in maintenance and reliability. This is truly one of the most timely conversations we could be having. A couple of weeks ago, the Colonial Pipeline hack was front page news in the United States. And then just yesterday, news service at the world's largest meatpacking company had also been hacked. Let's meet our speakers. Matthew Hudon is an information security program manager at Fluke Corporation, leading cybersecurity for Fluke Reliability for the past two years. He has over 15 years of experience in designing and implementing secure IT solutions. Matthew has helped dozens of companies and product teams stand up compliance and security programs for various standards, such as PCI DSS, ISO, HIPAA, and Sarbanes-Oxley. Welcome, Matthew, and thank you for being with us today. My pleasure, thank you for having me. I'm Greatly looking forward to it. Very good. And now let's introduce our second speaker, Frederick Bodar. Frederick is lead SME manager for Fluke Corporation, focusing on the company's reliability and condition monitoring product lines within the Fluke Reliability Solutions business. He has over 20 years of experience in field service engineering work and preventive and predictive maintenance strategies and in industries. Frederick has had various field services and technical positions with responsibility for installation and commissioning, as well as senior service management roles. He is a thermography level one certified and has also obtained his certified maintenance and reliability professional CMRP certification. Bodar holds technical degrees in electrical and instrumentation engineering from Crow-Wince Technical College in Brussels, Belgium. Welcome, Frederick. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning. Glad to be here. Glad you could be here as well. Well, let's get started. All right, audience, 
we are going to start off with a poll today. Most of you know what to do. You can click on this screen to answer the questions. If you cannot click, consider reducing your screen size. Your question today, is cybersecurity an important factor when considering a maintenance and reliability solution? And you're welcome to think broadly here in terms of what solution means. Are you thinking about a tool, a software, a system, a platform? But how important is cybersecurity when you are considering this? Is it mission critical? Is it somewhat important? Is it not important? Or are you not sure, which is a completely valid answer, especially in these times. I'm asking that you only select one so that we can get a sense for where you are at in your decision-making and experience level with this. I'm gonna give it about five more seconds. I'd like to get a few more people in the audience voting. Give it your best shot. Is it mission critical, somewhat important, not important, or not sure? All right, I'm gonna close the poll down and share the answers. We have 68% of the audience saying it is mission critical and 32% saying somewhat important. And for the first time ever in this webinar history, I'm fairly sure we have zero for both not important and not sure. So that's a very interesting response. Frederick and Matthew, what do you make of that? I agree 100%. I've never seen anyone um, answer not sure or not important and by far the most I've ever seen mission critical. So that really uh, is, is informed by and showing the importance everyone started paying attention to cybersecurity with that with all the events that have been happening around the world so this is this is a, a very timely webinar for sure it really is good yes. job audience I, I would say the same thing Leah I think uh, I would be shocked if any of customers both internal external would actually say that it's not important mm. um, not necessarily for the fact that you could you could be hacked or have issues is because it is part of everyday work that we're doing. Then you are directly involved with IT, with maintenance, with operation. It is absolutely critical that we protect ourselves. It is. Excellent. Well, I'm going to hide this and turn it back over to you. So in terms of the, um, the agenda, what we wanted to go over, uh, Matthew and I, is We'll define a little bit what is cybersecurity. I think we all have a very di uh, different definition of what it is. So we want to kind of ground it, the audience on on the definitions. I think the the other piece that's important to address, uh, which is part obviously of the the title for this uh, webinar, is why cybersecurity is important in maintenance reliability. Um, I think then um, as we go through it. Um, um, the, the presentation, you'll find out then there's a component that is from IoT and cyber cybersecurity perspective, but how you bring this into the real day of the uh, the um, maintenance and reliability realm. Um, along with this, um, what we've done is that <clears throat> we we get the opportunity to chance to a lot of customers in working with with a lot of customers in various industry and areas. And so what we thought about is that um, instead of just saying, hey, this is why it's important in mass reliability, we took three, what we call inaction, which is often us either doing a VOC, working with the customers, having some insight 
real insight from what the customer is actually going through. Um, and what we thought at this time is trying to do this uh, this inaction per um, per different type of vertical or, se or segment. So uh, we'll go through uh, three examples. One we have one is in government, the other one in healthcare or pharmaceutical, and the third one in manufacturing. Um, that often tends to cover um, a number of issue from compliance, from IoT, from security aspect. Um, then a lot of our, our customer go through. Um, and I think that the last piece, you may not say here, but um, where my two will spend a little bit of time is about key takeaway. So when we look at this, when we define this, when we talk about what some of the uh, the uh, verticals customers are finding out and telling you, is that also what are the key takeaway that's important both internally and externally, um, and as well as so some uh, question and answer. So first up, what is cybersecurity, right? So what are we talking about when, when we talk about cybersecurity in general, not just in the manufacturing space? And it always comes down to CIA. And you have to forgive me for my little infosec joke here, but we're not talking about the Central Intelligence Agency, but we are talking about confidentiality, integrity, and availability. This is called the CIA triad, and this is what cybersecurity is all about. No matter what framework you're talking about, HIPAA, uh, ISO, NIST, PCI, SOX, these are the three tenants or the three main components of cybersecurity. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to protect? So very briefly, uh, confidentiality, it's the first one. We're talking about ensuring that only people with permission have access to your data and information. And it's not just the people with permission, it's the right people with the correct permission, right? So. Um, you know, Bob may have one level of access, Mark may have a, a more privileged level of access, but we need to ensure that that is correct for their jobs, for their for what they do, what type of information should they have access to. Next is integrity. This is all about data accuracy and reliability. You're going to be entering data into a solution, into a system. Your PLCs or SCADA systems are gonna be giving data back to you. If that data isn't accurate, if it's not correct, if somebody was able to get in there and 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 mess with the data or, or change it, or um, not just a person, but but the system itself, if, if we're, we can't rely on the system to provide you accurate um, data, then there's no point in, in using any IoT or any SaaS or any kind of uh, information system at all, because it's not, not accurate, right? So this is the other main uh, component of cybersecurity. And then lastly, one that doesn't get talked about nearly enough, in my opinion, especially in maintenance and reliability, is availability. This is all about having your data, your resources, your solutions, your information available when you need it. It doesn't matter if you have the best SaaS solution in the world that's going to tell you exactly when that piece of equipment is going to break down to the day, six months into the future. If you can't access it, if it's down, if they're always having server problems and, and, and you, know, you, you just don't have access to that information, then it, it's a moot point. It doesn't matter. So availability is a key component of data security and cybersecurity and one that is often overlooked, but is, most, like I said, mostly important in the um, maintenance and reliability space. So moving on, uh, just some very um, key examples in manufacturing and reliability for 
the CIA triad, right? So confidentiality, what are we talking about? Corporate secrets, uh, your sensitive equipment, your SCADA, your PLC data. <clears throat> um, you know, if, if this is all about having, uh, the, like I said, the right people accessing the right information, if you, especially with IoT devices too, we need to make sure that connection, those connections and that information is confidential. Um, if you remember back in 2014, this is a, a little bit ago, there was a huge um, uh, news story uh, about a suburban family that woke up in the middle of the night hearing an adult voice in their child's room, in their, in their baby's room. And that was because they had a baby monitor that didn't have good controls around the confidentiality and the access. And somebody was able to hack that. And there was a person who was talking to their baby, trying to get their baby to wake up in the middle of the night. And, it, you know, that that was an enormous concern, obviously. And that, that kind of brought to the forefront cybersecurity of IoT devices um, um, in general. In 2018, another major incident, there was a popular casino that was hacked. This casino was hacked through one of their IoT devices. It was a temperature sensor in an aquarium. So something that you would think has absolutely no sensitivity whatsoever, but it was a device on their network. Again, they did not have good controls around that confidentiality, that access control, which falls under confidentiality. And somebody was able to hack into their network through that temperature sensor that in an aquarium. So confidentiality, again, it, it, it's, a, it's a very broad topic, but it is definitely one of the most important parts of cybersecurity. Integrity, again, this is all about the accuracy and reliance of your data. If your maintenance records, if you can't rely on those, then there's, it's gonna be very hard to have a preventative or predictive maintenance schedule, right? Uh, for compliance purposes, any kind of, you know, CFR part 11s or safety and quality insurance or OSHA or, or any other compliance frameworks that you might have to, uh, adhere to when those auditors come and do their audit if you can't rely on the accuracy of that data you very well may uh, either get in trouble or or fail that audit and then finally availability we've talked on that right preventative maintenance if i can't if i don't know if i don't have access to the to the data to be able to tell me when um when my preventative maintenance schedules are hitting then i'm not going to be able to keep on top of that for my team also resource allocation. A lot of times now with uh, you know, the, the CMMS programs or the enterprise asset management programs, you're allocating your resources to certain areas of the plant or certain areas of, of, of um, for, for maintenance. And you rely on those systems to tell you who's available, when they're available, what they're doing, who's next on deck and so forth and so on. So again, uh, availability uh, often overlooked, but a key component to um, maintenance and reliability. Uh, Matthew, we have uh, a couple of people in the audience who are sharing that they've actually recently experienced shutdowns due to cybersecurity uh, breaches, uh, so shutdown of the entire business. And I'm wondering if you're going to address some of the, the concerns about what does maintenance and reliability do when a breach happens, and is there um, a recovery sort of protocol? Absolutely, and and actually Frederick is going to talk about that in a little more detail on a on a on a further slide. So I don't want to step on his toes too much, um, right. but but that is uh, that that is a, a key takeaway. It's going to be a key takeaway. Just like for your equipment, right? You have preventative maintenance schedules and preventive you know preventive maintenance for your equipment. The exact same thing has to be um, implemented for cybersecurity. You, you think about it the exact same way. If you don't take the time now to 
take your systems down, schedule downtime so you can patch those systems or you can update them and, and make sure that they're cybersecurity hardened, then you're going to have that issue in the in the in the future where you're going to have an attack and it's not a question of if it's always a question of when it's going to happen it's going to happen to everybody at some point or another it might not be a disaster right but it's going to some incident is going to happen so just like your equipment you need to get um your your patching and, and your systems on a preventative maintenance schedule schedule that downtime so you can get ahead of it rather than trying to recover after the fact great Back to you. Okay. So what is this all? What do we do, right? What's the easiest solution? Well, as an information security professional, this is my ideal situation, right? Let's just turn them all off. Let's not have access to the internet. Let, let's harden them as much as possible. And then we'll be secure. My, my job would be very easy. But unfortunately, or fortunately, right, we're in a business. Everyone runs a business and that isn't the case, right? We can't just uh, turn everything off that is the only way though to make sure everything is 100 percent secure it does not matter how much effort you put in now you're going to experience an incident but what does matter like i just said a second ago is the um it is the the breadth of that incident how long is it going to take you to recover if at all is it is it going to take you down right if you have good preventative maintenance schedules in place if you have good patching if you do um, the due diligence around cybersecurity, it won't affect you when you do experience an incident. And, and then we don't have to have our, our, our um, systems air-gapped or, or turned off, right? We can actually have a productive business in the meantime. Good. So, as I mentioned, part of the agenda, what we wanted to do is kind of um, walk you through um, three, essentially three, three area. So how do we view this in action? This is something that we come out, commonly do even internally where we try to actually put this kind of in practice. Um, so we had a chance, obviously we work closely with, with a number of customers um, in a varieties of uh, responsibility. Um, and believe it or not, actually we do even in maintenance and reliability, including myself where Normally, I would never think to, to work with them. We do work quite a bit with, with our customers' IT department. Um, it is part of what we have to do. Um, I would say that anytime you have any kind of wireless IoT device, you almost mandate that we have to. So over the, over the course of the past probably four or five years, um, even Fluke and Fluke Reliability Solution has learned quite a bit about obviously we're not specialists at it, but um, we have to work with our customers. And quite frankly, we have to do this internally. So we're on both sides essentially of the fence, just trying to make sure that we protect their information um, and but also protect us in, in that aspect. So the um, uh, I'm gonna let Matt talk about the uh, one of the, uh, the customer that we work with um, in state government, but it really does apply to lot of the government entity uh, uh, than you would have in the United States. Thank you, brother. So yeah, so like I said, this is representative of, of a lot of government um, and uh, at the municipal level, the state level, the federal level, uh, we have many customers. This is obviously one, but um, but this is a lot of the same risk solutions and, and things that they're concerned about um, across the board. 
So again, this is a state level government agency responsible for onboarding techn techn technology solutions for every state agency across the board. So they manage um, every department within the entire state. Some of the key risks that they're concerned about, what, you know, what are they uh, mostly concerned about when they're onboarding a SaaS solution, an IoT solution, a new PLC or, or a SCADA system, really anything technology related. Um, again, first and foremost, is they are mostly concerned about the confidentiality of that sensitive information, right? How are how are their partners and, and their uh, their vendors guaranteeing or 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 um, making sure that the confidentiality confidentiality of that sensitive information stays secure? Um, but uh, my apologies, sorry about that. Um, also, there's a perception, not, and this isn't just in the state space or the government space. This is across the board. There's a perception that utilizing a SaaS solution is inherently more secure and doesn't need IoT, uh, IT or security review. Um, that's uh, one of their other concerns. They have to comply with NIST 853, which is a government uh, kind of a DOD framework. There, that's just a cybersecurity framework. There's, like I said, HIPAA, there's ISO, there's PCI, there's SOX, there's all, all these different frameworks. This just happens to be a, 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 a DOD framework that they have to comply with. And then also shadow IT, right? How do we prevent, or how do they prevent um, other devices uh, agencies is going out and, and and without security review, without IT review, uh, putting in place IoT devices or other solutions without that governance, right? And, and utilizing non-approved or out-of-band communication methods. So these are their top concerns and their solutions are uh, very good in my opinion, right? So they have a requirement that all data that's gonna be um, in a solution has to be encrypted at rest and in at rest and in transit. And that's very important. It's pretty much become standard, but there are still a lot of solutions, a lot of software out there that don't do this. They do have a GRC solution in place. That's governance, risk, and compliance. So basically, just a a managed way to look after uh, everything that they have to, right? To to make sure that if if a state agency brings on a device and it needs an exception, right? It, it maybe it doesn't. Um, quite meet their requirements, but they have other mitigating controls in place. They need to uh, have a way to manage that, and that's what this GRC solution does. These are becoming more, much more commonplace uh, in all sorts of business, uh, not just at the government level. And this third one, I was very surprised at, and I do see this as a direction that um, security teams in general are going. Uh, regardless of the, of the vertical, right? Not just in the government space and manufacturing and, and every organization. There has been a, a, um, a general thought that, okay, we wanna bring on this IoT device, but IT doesn't wanna on our network. So we can get a hotspot, right? Or we can get some way for it to communicate. Maybe we buy a sensor or an IoT device that can communicate cellular, cellularly automatic or you know, without a hotspot. Um, and that way we don't have to put it on our, on our network. They're going a little a step further though. They're saying that that is not okay. Not only do we not, we need to, not only do we have to make sure that, that they have the security controls in place, we want that on our network. We don't want something communicating confidential or sensitive information outside of our control, right? We wanna make sure that we're maintaining that compliance and that governance over that information. And this is, I think, going to become a lot more prevalent and a little bit of a game changer, because like I said, that has been a go-to um, 
kind of ad hoc solution for a lot of companies. Well, we don't want to honor network, so let's just put it on a hotspot. That's soon not going to be the case. We're, we're gonna we're gonna want to maintain that that uh, that governance over that that information, and and we're gonna ask that instead of just kind of forgetting about it and it's out of sight, out of mind, we're gonna to wanna to make sure that whatever, whoever we're partnering with has the right security in place so we can be assured as a security team that um, that, that, that information is well protected. We have a related question, Matthew. Uh, does Wi-Fi enabled or do Wi-Fi enabled network sensors pose a greater risk than say Bluetooth BLE 5.0 <clears throat> network-based sensors? And if yes, why is there a difference in risk? Um, there's actually not much of a difference in risk between the two. I mean, th there are several ways to intercept Wi-Fi traffic and and, and kind of hack those devices. And, and honestly, the not, while not well known, the exact same ways do exist for BLE. Um, so it's not inherently more risky or, or one way or another, uh, although the least risky way is actually just a hardwired and Ethernet uh, connection, but that still does carry risk with it too. So it's really more about um, engaging with your vendor, making sure that you fully understand uh, what controls, what the what the hardening of the devices is, what they have in place to guarantee that that they have done their due diligence to to protect that communication regardless of what it is wi-fi ble or or ethernet thanks yeah. all right let's move on <clears throat> so the, the the second um kind of segment or uh part of articles that we wanted to discuss was some of the some of the healthcare customers um it goes also for pharmaceuticals um uh, vertical customers so when we talk about healthcare obviously there's a number of confidentiality that, that comes in place um we uh we have been working uh with a number of customers over the past few years as uh, some of those uh, are really interested in they start to getting more interested i'm sorry into um wireless uh, some condition monitoring aspect in terms of the maintenance and reliability, but obviously can pose some some challenges from an IT cyber cyber security perspective. So uh, one of the examples that we had is a medical research center, which is well renowned with a, a number of scientists and researchers. Uh, they really focus on, on treating um, cancer and uh, HIV, uh, HIV and AIDS um then we have been working we've been working closely for a number of years but as i say is this applies to a number of um either hospitals research medical centers or research centers um they all tend to have fairly strict rules um around it and cybersecurity. um what you'll see also in terms of the risk and potentially the solutions they're, they tend to be fairly similar regardless of the, um, the um, type of industry that you have. So um, again, here, some of the risk for them is the vendor selection for the data collection. So again, this is what we talked about all the time is that you have to properly select your vendors. Um, you have to, to do your due diligence. Um, it's not necessarily because they have the 
best brand names, then they are the safest. Um, and so we, we do um, a lot of um, due diligence when we work with customers about that specific. So uh, we very early on engage with them um, about, about the IT portion of it, um, especially because we want to make sure from a Wi-Fi perspective, it is properly working. They have the bandwidth to support this. But again, um, you know, uh, it, it, is, it is a key part. And so just the same way that you were doing this even 15 or 20 years ago is that when you have a vendor selections to try to figure out what, uh, what equipment is, you've got to do your due diligence on this one. Um, along with this is really the type of data source is really a key factor. So where is that data coming from? Is it coming from um, a Bluetooth, uh, wireless sensors? Is it hardwired? You have the ability to have Ethernet or Wi-Fi. What are the rules or what are the locations? Uh, there's a number of things on the data. Where is it coming from? They will essentially indicate, is this the right vendor to partner with? Um, and so that, that's a key um, risk then healthcare and, um, um, and pharmaceutical are always looking at it. Um, along with this, they kind of intertwine when you look at it. The, the type of IoT devices, uh, if it's if it utilizes a non-approval out-of-band communication method. Um, Matthew talks about a little bit earlier about hotspot, Wi-Fi. Um, we, um, um, by experience, I can tell you then, try to have a better site for, um, or even a regular site for Wi-Fi is very difficult to even run this, even on a temporary basis where you have a Wi-Fi hotspot. It just simply, they, they simply prefer not to allow this to even on site because they have zero control over the data that goes on, on, to, on to the, um, the web. Um, even if it's primarily an outbound sensor, IoT sensor. So you would take a temperature or a vibration sensor. Um, ultimately, you are reading the temperature or the vibration, it goes out. So technically, even if you're on a hotspot, it shouldn't, it shouldn't come in. But we all know um, then um, nothing is 100% secure. And we have seen some instance where you can actually uh, get into it. And so you can get the data. Now, can technically can a customers or can a hacker do anything with the temperature vibration? In reality, not really in terms of because the vibration of temperature, as an example, or pressure do not control any system. So this is not a two way. So if you were in a refinery example and you have access to a valve, um, a process valve, the valve can control part of the system. Then at that point, you could truly have an impact on, um, you know, the coker uh, unit or uh, another production part of unit. Here, we're reading out. We want to make sure we can get the data so we can take true action as well. We're not, but the customer is collecting the data so they can actually take the proper action to either fix or resolve or change their PM structure. Um, and then uh, the last risk that, that we talked specifically about is cybersecurity in using the context of CMMS and IoT device. And I, I just met, uh, Matt mentioned this earlier, then um, 
it is not because you have a CMMS, then it's safe automatically. Um, we do have even uh, uh, quite a few customers who have said, where you have a CMMS over, over the web, well, it's, we have to have control over this. It has to be on our network somehow. So can you do a server inside of our facility where we can actually have control? And we have actually to, to lose some, some situations, some customers say, we just, we just can't do it. We cannot do it because we do not have the control or the security around this. Even so you tell us it is secure, it is still a potential AWS or any other type of outside uh, server then uh, that we have no control. So some of the, the solution, they, the healthcare industry working on it, obviously. Um, this particular healthcare uh, facility, they actually have a questionnaire. It's a very detailed questionnaire is required uh, to review uh, some of the IT requirements, um, support protocol and exceptions. Um, I think that this is something that even us, we start to implement even as a, uh, as a Fluke uh, corporation to have that good relationship, establish that good relationship with the IT department of our customers. So I think then as you're going through asking the right questions, um, it is really, really key to figure out, can we work with this vendor? As simple as that. This vendor can answer the 15, 20 or 30 questions. Do they meet the standard that we have? Um, and we have had to answer, uh, Matt knows this very well, even as recently we had to answer this for, I think it was food and beverage or mining, I can't remember, but it was a very detailed questionnaire. And so we have to, to prove to that potential partner that we actually have our secures and provide IoT security uh, for, for, for those, um, for, for those uh, tools. Um, obviously, some of the solution um, with compliance with HIPAA is mandatory for most, if not all, healthcare. Um, what we also, it was interesting, what we talked to them uh, is the VP approval for all the projects. And so um, that, was, that was something that was, um, that was interesting talking to that particular customers about their VP approval. Then everything had to be reviewed and it had to have a VP essentially sign off on it. Um, obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about the outbound communication method that was preferred. And um, the cybersecurity for CMMS LT is not the only issue. Um, this is something that we see all the time. And especially when we have a project that include the numbers of IoT devices, the bandwidth can additional um, um, can 20, 30, 40, or 150 additional sensor IoT device be supported by the, by the system, by the network? Um, mindless the work and the selection, can we have this? And often we come to, to a situation where the customers say, well, we, we really have to expand a little bit before. So um, we, this is a situation where often you don't necessarily want to put the car before the horses and then making sure then your bandwidth can support this. Two quick questions, Frederick. Based on what you've just said here, at what point do you advise maintenance reliability involve IT when they are considering a new technical solution? At what point? Well, uh, okay. And, and I was going to talk about the key takeaway, which is good. Um, 
I would say early on, as early as possible, did you want to have uh, involved the IT? As a matter of fact, is um, I know them personally and our customer success team, as well as sales team, um, we, we take the stand and we talk to the IT department for our customers really, really early on. Um, and we involve them. We do this as well as internally. So this is the practice, right or wrong, that, but that we have also within our own Fluke organization is that our partner with Matt and with other in IT early on, we have a, a number of tools. And so we try to replicate this with our customers simply because if we don't know what are their requirements, um, we may not even have the chance to talk further. The customer may be interested to a number of IoT devices, but if we cannot meet their standards, their regulations, their word, their requirements, then what's the point to even move forward? So we want to make sure that the work is done early on, then we have that discussion. What are the requirements? Do we meet the requirements? Can you have two-way communication? Is it only outbound? So what, what, are, the, what are those key factors right there? And that goes again, this is uh, our customers are doing their due diligence by selecting the right vendors in that aspect. And that's okay if we're not selected. We, we've got to be, we've got to be safe. Well, the second question is related and it's how do you get anything done? So if you have all these sign-offs and you have all of these checks, how do you, how do you make progress? Well, believe it or not, we actually do. Um, it, it's, it, it all comes down, I think to me, it all comes down to um, having an open minded and having good communications um, right off the bat. I think that there's so many things that uh, are put in silo where we don't have a good communication. We're not um, honest and open right at the get go. We don't, and also providing the right documentations to, to our customers and vice versa. If we keep looking at the documentation, what are the requirements? we're going to waste time. Um, I would say, yeah, time is important, but I think then taking the time to be secure, it's even more important because if you do the work ahead of time and you do your due diligence, huh, um, then there's a lot of issue, problem, money, potentially people lose their job. They could not, they won't happen if you don't do this ahead of time. I mean, do you really want to try to take a chance and we say, eh, that requirement, that, that's not that important. And on the back end, you could actually pay the price for it. You know? I think you just answered another question, which was how do you overcome resistance within the team to prioritizing cybersecurity? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because the resistance that I see is not actually from the IT department. For, no. for, for the most part, it is really from uh, people who are not used to work with the IT department, right. who sometimes feel uncomfortable, they don't necessarily know what it means, what are the requirements. And so there's a part of us who have to let go and educate yourself a little bit. I mean, I learn every single time that I talk to Matt, I learn something new. And that partnership, both internal, which and what I mean by internal, so if, in case of the healthcare, work with your IT department as a superintendent or supervisor of the electrical uh, team. Work closely with them. As much as you would have requirement and mandate, 
for outside of the company to try to find the right vendors, work with them as well. And I, I promise he will do wonder. We have seen things then we thought we we're gonna take weeks and months by having a simple face-to-face, -face, by having the right documentation. Within a few days, we unlock and understood exactly what the requirement and we we're able to actually comply with those and move forward. I want I want to let you move forward in your presentation. I'm sure. cautious of time. So, from a manufacturing perspective, there's a lot of similarity than the state government um, and the um, the healthcare. Do you want to show me the slide? Okay, here we go. So again, um, here um, that would apply to just about almost any manufacturing environment. We we happen to to, to work with a lot of them. Um, so this particular one is a global IoT product manufacturer and service provider. So they have both sides. Um, so they risk securing sensitive PLC SCADA system. Um, we talked a little bit earlier. Availability of information, that's a key piece right there for them. Um, compliant with NIST 171 uh, D4 and the challenging uh, some of the requirements. And I think one probably of the most important and that Matt touched on it early on, um, and he was gonna reference, is the pa uh, patching cadence. So um, keeping um, the system secure while minimizing the downtime. Um, and if you look on the solution aspect, obviously scheduling downtime, when you talk about reliability and maintenance, it's a key piece right there. Is that some of those systems I've worked 24-7, 364, 365. So you've got to find ways where you actually do the downtime for the network, where you can actually add patch, when you actually can do some of the upgrades. Those are, those are important. Um, and so finding the right time and sticking with those time and not put, keep pushing back and pushing back is really, really important for your system. Um, you know, the same way then it's important for us as as a human to take a break. And so if we don't take a break, if we don't, you know, properly eat or properly exercise, at some point our body is going to stop. While a server, even so it's technical, is the same approach. If you keep pushing the server or the system further and further and further, eventually you're going to have issues which will impact a potential downtime. Um, some of the solutions that they have seen is data encryption and segregation network, especially with uh, SCADA and PLC, try to separate those completely so they're not on the network. Um, again, partnering with the right uh, solution provider that has strong business continuity and disaster recovery program. I think that's a key piece right there. How do you recover whenever you have an issue? What are your contingencies in terms of if this happens? How are you going to let us know? We all know then we tend to learn like weeks or months after there was uh, hacking from a major corporation say, oh yeah, this happened in November 2020. It's like, oh, hold on. You're telling us like three or four months later, what happened in between? So th those are the things that are important. And then really having a dedicated uh, security team in compliance. I think that is a key piece. You can't be... Um, you know, Joe does the uh, the electrical, he does the IT, and then potentially is going to install the IoT sensor. There's just too many cook 
uh, in the kitchen. And it is really, when you look at IT, start to working with them, it is really a dedicated role, very specific. And if you want to do it right, then you have to have the right team and the right dedicated team around with this. So th this is a, a takeaway for everyone here um, in the deck if you request a deck. And this is really just a, a simple high-level checklist that you can use um, to make sure you have the right considerations in place for your equipment, for your environment, your communication protocols, and security. So this is, an, this is not a, an exhaustive list, obviously, but this is a very good starting point um, as you engage with your, your vendors, as you engage with your internal IT teams, your security teams. Um, and the kind, the types of information that you need to consider um, before you onboard any solution. Which, by the way, you'll have that list, obviously. Yeah. So um, we'll share these some of the key takeaway uh, before we take a few questions. Um, the right people in control must be in place to protect the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of your data. I think that we talked at length about this from having the right people in the IT, um, but working closely with them, but also having the right requirement and control. Um, without this, I think you will have what might would call the CIA problems of your data, which is uh, obviously the confidentiality, integrity, and I think then it's a really important for not only IT, not only anyone who works potentially in finance, but in operation maintenance must understand the sensitivity of the data under their care. Um, uh, too many times it, we tend to say, oh yeah, it's just a temperature sensor. It, it's not that big of a deal. When in reality, that temperature sensor could be the cause um, of a breach um, unbeknown. Um, we even go through uh, a number of IT classes and requirements uh, from a fluke and informative level where we actually have to take uh, some class and comply with those and try to understand why this is so important. It goes the same way with any maintenance or any operator um, within their facility. And the third, and I touch on it a couple of times, is really um, even if you are in maintenance or in reliability, regardless if you're a technician, an engineer, an electrician, doesn't matter. Work closely with your IT department. They really, we shouldn't see the IT department as this, um, this things on the side and we really don't want to uh, deal with it. And we only deal with it when a computer crash and suddenly you realize, oh my God, I need IT to fix it. In reality, um, most IT department, and I'm talking by experience both internally and externally with our customers, they do want to help you. Yes, they're the gatekeeper, but they do want to help. They want to make sure that we comply and make sure that we have the right thing in place. So we are not, we are protected. They're really truly the protector more than anything else. So just keep working with them. And I think then as you establish a good relationship with them, you will find then things that you want to do have become easier and easier over time. Okay, I also, have a question. Oh, 
Go ahead, Matt. No, uh, if you want to interject with a question, sure. Yeah, there's a question from the audience about what types of cybersecurity training that you recommend that teams do for technicians and engineers to help them better understand how to safely guard their data. Uh, I will actually talk uh, a little in length about that on the third point there, the human element. Um, and I'll go there right now, actually. Um, so this isn't something we've really touched on a lot in this presentation, but it is probably the most important part of cybersecurity is, is the human element, right? We can make sure that we have the most well-designed uh, IoT device or SaaS solution that we're onboarding. We can make sure that internally we have the perfect uh, set of cybersecurity controls in place. Um, but if we don't train our people as well, it almost doesn't matter. It's just like having a security system in your house, right? You can spend $1,000 a month to get the absolute state-of-the-art security system. But if you leave your house and you leave that door unlocked and or don't arm it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. You're, you're basically inviting uh, a criminal in, right? It's the exact same thing with cybersecurity. We saw this in the Colonial Pipeline attack. I guarantee it's gonna be, uh, we're gonna see this in the, in the meatpacking attack that just happened. We saw this in the huge solar winds attack that happened a couple months ago. It's all about phishing. It's all about uh, somebody within your organization opening the door, opening the door and letting somebody in. Um, and that is absolutely key. The most important training you can do is teaching your organization, your, your, your technicians, your engineers, and everybody how to recognize um, when they're, when they're, when they're uh, getting an email or, or getting a phone call for, for, for phishing, uh, what they can do, what they can't do, what, what the key components are to, to, to recognize that that might be the case, not clicking on links, not clicking on links, not clicking on links, I cannot stress that enough, unless you are absolutely 100% confident that you know who that email came from and why you got it, uh, do not click on links at all. Um, there are ways, and you can work with your IT department to figure out ways of, of kind of safely um, safely doing that, because obviously you have to click on links at some point, right? But that is uh, the absolute number one concern and the number one training that you can give, um, is how to recognize phishing emails and how to, how to appropriately um, mitigate that extreme threat. That is how everything is happening nowadays. Uh, it, it, it is... Um, it is those phishing emails and they're tricky. They, they can be very hard. Just a quick little uh, anecdote. We run phishing tests constantly. Every month we have a phishing test, phishing test. And they're they're silly, you know, they're they're you know, you want something from Amazon or hey, you know, click here and, and you get a free uh, Heineken giveaway. And we do very well. I mean, really well on them, uh, in my opinion. We did one not too long ago though, a couple months it was, um, so, uh, it, it was payroll based. It was, it was, hey, you know, you're getting a raise. Or so, I can't remember the exact thing, but it had to do with your payroll, had to do with money. And that one, we absolutely failed. We had an atrocious click rate across the business. And that goes to show, right? I mean, people can easily recognize Amazon spelled incorrectly or, or you know, something that they shouldn't be getting. And, and that, that's pretty intuitive. That's really, you don't even really need training on that. But that isn't the types of emails that, that, that um, fraudulent actors craft to really perform an attack. It's going to be something related. They do their homework. They know what your industry is. They know who your boss is. They know who you are. They know what you do. They know what types of systems you work on. This stuff is very publicly available. And it's going to be crafted in such a way to 
tricked a lot of people. And, uh, and, and that training to be able to recognize that is by far and away the best thing you can, the best protection you can put in place. Um, I would agree. As, sorry? No, I would agree. I, did, yeah. I know it's funny you mentioned this about some of those, um, some of those fishing is, I'm, I'm on the other side, so I'm getting those. And so we, we as, as a business, and also we even with some of colleagues, uh, colleagues of mine trying to figure it out, is this real? So often we would text each other and say, you know, this does, this does not seem right here. It's in the constant ability to, to be on your guard, I think is probably the best training that you can have. The same way then if you, see, you get a fish email at home, don't open it. I say this to my kids and to my wife all the time. If it doesn't look right, then it most likely it is not right. And somebody wants is, is, is after you. And so we have to constantly remind us of this, both from a business perspective as well from a personal perspective. 100%. The, the other aspect of the human element I wanted to, again, reiterate, and Frederick's already done a really good job talking about this, but is, is your maintenance department, your operations department, partnering with your IT and security department? This. If you have a good partnership, it's going to mitigate every question you've asked about this. You're going to be able to get things done because the process is going to be smooth. You're going to be engaging them early. And it's not only about finding out what won't work and not wasting time, but it's also finding out what the solutions are for what might work. So if you engage with your security department early enough, there might be something that, you know, we, we really, they're not doing quite what they should be doing, but you know what? We can put in place controls on our side to help mitigate that, to get that solution onboarded. And it's only gonna happen if you engage them early and you partner with them. So that is, again, the human element of this, it, it's, it's just as important as everything we're talking about to maintain those relationships and to truly look at them as partners and, and not um, a, a bottleneck or a gatekeeper. Great timing. So audience, we're going to run another poll for you here. Same as before, you should be able to click these answers. If you cannot, then reduce your screen size. Now, your job here is to answer the question, what cybersecurity or IT factor is most important to your business? Having listened to this presentation now, is it keeping all data on premise? No cloud solutions. Is it availability of your data when and where needed? Is it regulatory compliance, HIPAA, NIST, ISO, SOX, et cetera? Or is it assignment of a data owner or administrator to the solution? So there's no wrong answer. I know these are longer answers to consider. I'd still like to get about half the audience in, if we can, about which of these cybersecurity or IT factors you think is most important to your business? Is it on-prem? So not going to the cloud. Is it data availability? Is it regulatory compliance? Or is it knowing that there's a data owner or admin assigned to the solution? Okay. I'm going to give it about five more seconds and close it down. And again, make your best selection. Doesn't have to be a hundred percent because the purpose here is to share information. All right, I'm going to share the information, speaking of, 
We have 12% say it's keeping all data on-prem. We have 43% saying data availability is most important. 29% say it's regulatory compliance and 16% say it's having a data owner or administrator assigned to the solution. Any comments, Matthew or Frederick on these answers? I love to see that availability answer. That's like I said, I mean, it's, it's not overlooked as far as something that you need, but it's overlooked a lot in the, uh, in the information security space. And then that really does count, come down to, uh, you know, what your partners are doing for disaster recovery, like Frederick talked about, what, what is their business, business continuity? How are they guaranteeing that they're going to be available when you need them? And um, that, that drives very much with what I think is one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is why actually, when you look at the, the question where we, we put this together, this is exactly what, the, um, what we're expecting. And availability regulatory will be at the top of the uh, the selections um, although they're all important don't get me wrong but i think then i think the majority we're expecting the availability of your data is uh, was was a key factor indeed we have an audience member wishing there was another answer option that was something along the lines of employing a system that has the lowest risk yeah definitely Let's forward on to your contact information that we can post up there while we answer a few more questions before people have to leave. There we go. Audience, you are welcome to contact Frederick and Matthew directly at those emails. And then if we have unanswered questions that we will uh, follow up with you after the presentation. I'm going to slide in one or two more quick questions right now before we have to close. One. Any thoughts on BYOD, bring your own device, and then also on mobile tablet in general? Yeah, uh, BYOD is a um, very tricky subject uh, indeed. Um, my my personal thoughts, you know, we have a BYOD program here in our company, and, and we, we have to go above and beyond with the typical security controls. We have to put some relatively expensive controls in place on our end to make sure that we allow our organization to, to use their own personal devices. And also to make sure we have the right training in place um, to, so they know what they can use their device for and what they can't. So it's it shouldn't ever be the case where, yeah, you can use your computer for anything you want at, at any point. Um, so a lot of companies don't have those resources to be able to, you know, to, to be able to stand up those solutions or, or be able to conduct that training. And in those circumstances, I don't think BYOD is a good is a good option. It, it really opens up the company to a lot of risk. Um, but if they do, right, there shouldn't be there, there's really no problem with it. You can really mitigate that risk quite a bit. And in tablets, um, I, I don't really and they're just another computer right so as long as you have the same types of controls the same types of security around them i don't see any issue with track tablets in general great very quickly you've mentioned the word hardening a couple of times can you give us a brief definition for that yeah hardening is really just making sure that when you get a solution any solution an iot device a system a computer a server a SaaS solution that you go through it and make sure that you're not just using it completely out of the box uh Real simple example is a computer, right? You have tons of ports open by default. You make sure those those ports are closed off and you're only opening up. You're only using, for whatever system, you're only using what you actually need. If you don't need it, 
turn it off because it's just another avenue of attack. That was actually very helpful. Thank you. If you can forward to the next slide, I'm going to talk very briefly about our next webinar on June 16th. We'll be joined by Suzanne Greeman for a session on coping with the skills shortage, which is another critical topic for today's maintenance and reliability teams. Experts are now suggesting that the skills shortage will continue for the foreseeable future. So not only are there not enough skilled people to do the work, but teams are at constant risk of losing the people they do have. So what do we do? If you've caught one of Suzanne's sessions before, you know she delivers a great amount of knowledge and information. So check the Excelix website for more information and hopefully you'll be able to join us on June 16th. And now Matthew, if you'd forward for me one more time, this is a reminder to everyone to stay online for a moment after I close the webinar. There'll be a brief pause and then the survey link will appear. We would really appreciate it if you could take a few moments to complete the survey. Your feedback helps us keep the webinar content relevant and helpful. Answering the survey will get you a copy of today's presentation, including that awesome checklist and those key takeaways. And there's a question on there about getting a certificate of attendance. So if you want a certificate, answer yes to that question. In fact, if you want to share your certificate on LinkedIn, please do. We'd love to see it. So tag us, tag Fluke Reliability, tag Matthew Hudon, Frederick Bedar, Leah Freeberg, so we can cheer you on. The recording of today's webinar will be available in a day or two on excelix.com. And that concludes today's presentation. So thank you so much, Matthew and Frederick. I can't believe how timely and really important this information was. Great job. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. It was great. All right. Audience, goodbye for now and see you next time.